Standing alone, each has his own ticket in his hand. As the evening descends, I start thinking about it. If you're playing music, if you're learning music and you're and you're trying at it, you're not getting worse ever. Right, so right. the person that you become as a 30-year-old musician is like is the conglomeration of all those. Welcome to the first episode of Waiting Here for Every Man. I'm Kendall Hallman. On each episode of this show, I'll be interviewing regular people about the music in their life, ranging from the most casual hobbyist to professionals. In this first episode, I interviewed Alex Burgoyne, a local sax player for bands Liver Quiver and Small Songs. Alex also holds music performance degrees from Capital University and Ohio University. He was simply a terrific first interview for this show. How are, you, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing good. The the first the first thing I want to ask, um, my goal for this podcast is to sort of interview people of varying levels of seriousness and professionalism with their musicianship. Uh, just to give the listeners an idea, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being like a casual hobbyist and 10 being a completely un- uncompromising professional musician, where would you where would you put yourself? I suppose I'm probably like a 9, I'd a nine? say. Okay. Yeah, I think not all of my money comes from from gigging, but nearly all my money comes from music related okay. activities. Okay. Yeah. So you, so what um what do you what do you do as a as a day job? Sure. <clears throat> um, well, I work for a Jazz Arts Group, which is a you know uh, the nonprofit part of the Columbus Jazz Orchestra. Okay. Um, there is an education portion to that organization, which I do a lot of work with, uh, and I'm also the librarian for the for the orchestra. Okay. And okay. in addition to those things, obviously other. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. And cool. I, t- I teach. Um, I have about ten students. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, teaching private lessons. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, what uh, what all what all uh, instruments do you play, and which of which of those would you say you you really play? Sure. Um, well, um, saxophone is my main instrument. I you know I gig pretty regularly on all four that I okay. own. Um, I also play flute and clarinet as a requirement of some of those jobs. Um, I started as a piano player, so I still have some piano chops, not a lot, but some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I fiddle around on guitar and ukulele and right, you know, all right. those things we all fiddle around. Oh, yeah, on. yeah, definitely. Um, you're, uh, we're recording in my little basement studio yeah, type place, yeah. and you can see all the uh, instruments that I, String that I instruments halfway play. String instruments right. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, a, few, a few years ago, I... I Realized that I don't get, I don't play well with others, so I just uh, started uh, playing all the instruments. At least I relate enough. to that a little you bit. Know, yeah, <laughs> learn two or three chords on each one, and um, so uh, what would you say? Uh, so, so so where where would you say uh, your your goals are as a as a, as a musician? Um, in a perfect world, where would you like to be? Sure, um, it's interesting. This question changes a lot, or the answer to this question mm-hmm. changes a lot for me and for everybody I know yeah. doing. I think my goal is like I love making a lot of music. I'm playing a lot of gigs uh-huh. a, a year, but the money is the least important part of all right, the gigs right. I play. You know, it's never a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, it factors in sometimes if the gig is not fun or right, like, it right. feels like work. But for the most part, um, if I can continue to improve on my instrument and instruments and be creative, and mm-hmm. you know, it, I think it's like one of those things where. Um, I feel most restless when I'm when I'm not practicing, when I'm not writing, when I you know, and all these things get blocked up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for me a lot it happens a lot in the summer summer is hard for me because there's lots of gigs but there's not a lot of um i don't like being hot and sweaty if that makes mm-hmm. sense so right um anyway long story short um uh in a perfect world in a perfect world i'm making more of a majority of my money from music but i don't have to compromise on any of the things that i like to right do. right right long long answer long okay <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no, no. so what when you when you're listening to music what mm-hmm. what types of music do you listen to um oh i really like 90s rock i think my that's probably my mm-hmm. my most that's the thing i listen to most um and then variations of of that bands that I've found mm. through, you know, later bands. Um, I also listen to a lot of like cool jazz. Okay. Uh, like uh, Lee Connitz is a guy that I've been listening to a lot recently. Um, but I think it depends on like if, if there's a gig coming up right now, I just joined mm. a funk band. So I've been listening to all these old like sixties Motown okay. and, and, and things. Uh, a couple months ago I joined a brass band. So I've been, I listened to a lot of like mm. new Orleans mm. stuff. So maybe a lot of it depends on like what kind of gigs are, coming up okay. a lot and the other part of it is like the guilty pleasure stuff is probably mostly like third eye blind and stuff like stuff that i grew up listening to look look uh <laughs> there's nothing guilty about, about sure. listening to third eye blind. i appreciate that <laughs> yeah for sure i agree <laughs> yeah that's I, that is one of my wife's favorite bands actually yeah. um so you talk about listening listening to music mm. uh focused with with groups that you play with um, something that I personally struggled with when I was in the more educated side of, of sure. music was was delineating between those those genres of music that that were that were more that were a little more rigid, like the classical and, and even even jazz to a degree, and and just you know playing in a garage band. How do you how do you um, how do I say this? How do how do you delineate between yeah. those in 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 stuff, and then how do you apply what you learn from one to the other? Sure. Well, I think you know being in school is it's it's helpful because there's no choice in the matter. A lot of mm-hmm. the time, you just have to study the thing that you're studying. You know, you're right, in this class. Right. So in that way, you know, I also my both my degrees are in classical saxophone, so okay. that has always been a big part of that. But I also think you know. There is no if you're playing music if you're learning music and you're and you're trying at it you're not mm. getting worse ever right, so right. the person that you become as a thirty year old musician is like is the conglomeration of all those things so I think dis what was the question I, I, I well well sort of sort of I uh, yeah I, I I didn't ask it very well um so so basically in in my personal experience you know you've got your you've got your you know, the, yeah the stuff that you learn in school or uh-huh. or or the stuff that you're maybe learning, at even even beyond school, maybe maybe as a, as an educator that you're oh, keeping sure. up with yeah, with sure. classical and and the standards, I guess. Right. And then you've got uh, the other extreme, which is the you know hmm. reco- home recording in your basement or playing in a garage band, playing original three chords yeah. distorted guitar stuff. What can you learn uh, from one side and apply it to the other? Oh, I see. Okay, I think. Um... So in school, you, you're forced to reckon with all these, you know, bands and ensembles and all mm. these different things. And, and you have to learn that music. Um, and if you take that sort of same um, interest level and focus to, to writing your own music or, 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 you know, for me, a lot of the time it is like guitar music or things mm-hmm. I'm playing because it's my worst instrument. Right. It's the thing that is most, I'm most limited by. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that's the stuff like you know if I can focus on um, the if I if I if I turn my attention as strongly as I would learning you know a sonata or whatever mm-hmm. at writing this tune even right. if it's like a three chord garage right. band thing um, I think that is like that that's the thing I I have done the the most getting over is like turning my amateur musicianship into focus does that make sense yeah yeah no i um i i'll I'll tell you one thing that i've done i i did a home recording album last year and uh was i haven't played trombone in years and and i I dusted it off for that and i realized that i don't have improv chops at all for that and so what i did was i sat down with finale and i wrote out a a basic melody yeah and i was like this sounds way better than anything yeah, that I'm improvising. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. totally. Or, or I've done you know just basic like four part harmony type stuff, applying that, applying that to to um, to music like that. Yeah, and, and uh, just it's it's a uh, it's interesting. But then also on the other side, I think that there is, if you let yourself get too much into that into the what I used to call the academy. Oh yeah, sure. Um, you can you can. You can say well, it's the math of music. You can be like, right. I'm, I'm I'm playing all the right scales and all yeah. the right notes, and I'm moving my fingers really fast. But you're not really right. saying something. Right. In the end of the day, when it's you, like after you leave school or leave whatever situation you're in, and you're mm-hmm. presenting your own music, nobody cares where you went to school or what you studied uh-huh. or or whether or not you're playing the right dominant scale over right, this chord right. or whatever. What what matters is that you know, it sounds good. It feels good. Or um, it is a reaction to one of those two things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I think like getting out of your own way a yeah. lot of the time and being appreciative of the musician that mm-hmm. you are and that you want to be, you know, if you want to be a guy, who, a Green Day guy who like plays right. music like that, then f- do that, yeah. you know? You know yeah. I think that's the thing. Um, for me, it just so happens that, I, you know, I am a jazz musician and, and playing playing jazz gigs is the thing I work hardest at. But the mm. thing that I like the most is like this sort of sidestep of standards and more a combination of like, I grew up listening to songs. I like writing songs, right. but the songs don't always have the elements. They, they are definitely influenced by this other half right, of right. weirder, you mm-hmm. know, music. Okay. So, so we've talked a lot about you're, you're, you're somebody who has come out of, of music, of the, of of the academy of college, you have degrees and stuff. Um, how do you respond to criticism of ed- educated musicians, particularly in the concept, in the context of historically informal genres like jazz or rock? Are you asking like like? Uh, I guess I guess like like uh, even when even when John Mayer first became mm-hmm. popular, everybody was like, oh, he went to Berkeley for two years and he's got that sure. educated musician sound. Sure. Um, you know what? Do you, what do you? What's your? You know what's your response to that criticism? I think it's twofold. I you know that the criticism of any person is valid at least to that person. Right, so right. it means something. Whether or not they're truly dialed in on what they're upset about is right, a different right. story. You know, I think there's something to. There are certain musicians who sound like they're playing for the right notes and they're uh-huh. trying to win the solo or they're right. trying to win the the song or whatever. Um, but I also think like. 
you know, when I've heard that criticism, it's not it's not from people who are at the top of their craft. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not people who have who have have worked really hard. It's people who are like, you know, I they they prefer in in quotes um, a raw music. Right. right. It would be my argument that I I play the rawest I could possibly play uh-huh. all the uh-huh. time. You know. Um, so I don't know. You know, the criticism is valid because a person is feeling this way or whatever. Right, right. Um, but I also, you know, I take a stance of like, I don't give a shit either. <laughs> you, you know. So, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. In um. In my in my experience, for the longest time, I, I could never understand people who liked uh, audio recordings that were bad. Like like they right. they'd be like, sure. oh yeah, that you know that one's just you know I don't want I don't like digital recordings because it's just too polished. Sure. I like the. <laughs> I like the buzz and the and the background noise and stuff. And I've actually I've actually in my personal taste yeah. uh, come a little bit around sure, on that. Sure. But it's more like it's more like either because it's intentional or because you know limit you know I have my own limitations with my recording setup. Sure. And so I'm going to lean into that a little bit. Sure. I think too as a like a, when we do jazz recordings, a lot of the time I feel that way that like it's like. It doesn't feel like a club. It feels like uh-huh. everybody's in an ISO booth. It doesn't feel like like yeah. even if you were listening in a in a in a room, it wouldn't sound that way. So I, I get that criticism. And when when we do rec- recordings, I like it to feel as live as possible mm-hmm. while still getting an excellent tone and, and yeah. Ha- yeah. having the guitar amp mic'd properly and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, so for for recording, yeah. Um, when you when you do when you do recording <clears throat> and you say you like to you like for it to be live, do you find yourself doing take after take after mm. take or are you or are you more the guy that shows up does one take and then it's and then well, it's good if it's for somebody else which i've done a handful of times um it's as many takes as that person wants you know if i'm playing a solo we usually do two or three or okay. or ten right you know depending and take the best of of mm. that i for all the projects that i've paid for essentially right. for my band um we do whole takes usually do a couple whole takes but it the i've never done a recording it since i've been out of school i haven't done a recording that was like layered in recorded tracks if, if okay that makes sense. okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's usually yeah. just like if there's four musicians there's four tracks or however many a drum needs uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. <laughs> and 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 you're normally in those in those settings you're I mean, you're isolated in different rooms or whatever because you're in the studio, but you're all playing at the same time. Right, and if we can help it, we're all in the same room. Okay. Um, that is, div- you know... Right, it depends depend- on the setup, yeah. Right, exactly. And, the you know, the skill mm-hmm. of whoever's recording it, how, mm-hmm. how isolated right, it feels right, or right. not. Yeah. Now, now have, you, um, have you done anything with home recording? Oh, sure, I'm like an avid garage band guy. I think uh-huh. I write a lot using, using that stuff, and, and we did... I had a band... Um, I don't know, like, it feels like 10 years ago. It may have been mm-hmm. 10 years ago. But um, that was, like, an acoustic band that we recorded in my basement. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's like, one crummy microphone. and Right, right, right. And, you know, that band I was in in college, Livingston, was all in the basement recordings. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess we did some of that. Yeah. But, okay. yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. a ton. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm sure I had other important questions <laughs> here. Okay. So... You so you you've got a number of projects that you that mm-hmm. you play with. Um, how do you how do you find a new project? How do you find people to play with? Sure, um, <laughs> I think for for me it's like one gig always leads to the next gig. Mm-hmm. Playing in big bands for me has been really 
great. I've met a lot of older guys yeah. and, yeah. you know, guys who have lots of gigs. Um, so, yeah, it, it's like playing those kind of gigs and then getting asked by a guy you look up to and then you mm-hmm. get to play that gig and you meet three other guys who... Right, um, right. And so your your community of your your black book of musicians or whatever mm-hmm. grows. Mm-hmm. When I'm starting a new project, a lot of it, ha- you know, has to do with, you know, I want good musicians and I want the the right musicians for the project. Like right, you start right. an Ornette Coleman cover band, you want guys who are into that music or who can do it. But I also think for for me because all, jazz gigs are not forty five minute gigs. They're a lot of times like four hour gigs. Right, right. I want to be able to hang out with that person. Mm-hmm. That's like step number number two like right, right on maybe sub to are they are they good mm-hmm. um but yeah i think the hang is like super important um so i often play with the same right people right. Or the same like small group of people now now playing <clears throat> playing live long gigs this is something that i've i've struggled <laughs> with myself yeah uh we're not as young as we used to be sure do you do you struggle with uh with uh, getting worn out, uh, sure, and everything. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. There's no real answer to that except, you know, I try to practice enough that uh, my, you know, I'm not going to get beat up on a right. four hour gig. Yeah. Luckily, that you know, when you're playing that long, you usually get breaks and mm-hmm. there's alcohol, so you can do a lot more than <laughs> you would without it, or coffee or whatever. You yeah, know, whatever. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think s- stimulants and depressants play a large part in, in, the, in the ability to do that. Oh man, yeah, I was I'm I'm one that I could never I could never have any kind of alcohol huh. at a gig like I because just the way that it affects me, um, I just would I just sure. I just crash. I mean, I mean I can go I can I can you know party with the rest of them, right. but uh, but you know after afterwards you know yeah, I did a sure, lot of, had sure, a lot sure. of had a lot of gigs where we were driving around. Try you know you guys take the gear home. You guys drive to the to the liquor store yeah, before right. it closes. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I I got some advice from like a like an older musician. Like, you know, if you're having trouble playing drunk, you got to practice drunk. So uh-huh. in, that's a college, college is a little bit about that, just like substance abuse and still yeah. working hard. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, or just or just don't or just don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Know, or, and there's or just know, know what you're know right. what you're what you're uh, uh, capable of. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Don't wanna don't. Wanna, this is a family podcast. Oh sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty. Of, I mean, like uh, there are some of my favorite musicians in town are not people who who drink yeah, at yeah, all yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. yeah no, no, no. That's <laughs> that's fine. Um, so uh, again, with these with these live gigs. Um, what what is your strategy for self promotion? Getting getting your friends mm. to show up to your gigs. This is the hardest thing, mm-hmm. um, especially being like I play. You know, I I might play on average. I'm probably playing ten to fifteen gigs a month, and most of those people, come, most of the people coming to those gigs are either going to the gig regardless of me. Right. So right. my you know promotion is not having anything to do with it, or they're my friends mm-hmm. and I'm going to their gigs and they're going. So it's the same like cyclical yeah. thing. Um, for bigger shows, like I have a couple bands that um, they don't play a lot. So when mm-hmm. we play, we try to make an experience out of it. A lot right, of times right. um, we'll have it at a place with uh, with an artist or, or, or you know, um, I don't know, somehow make an event of it mm-hmm. so that it feels like a bigger deal. Yeah. Some bands I play with people who are, don't live in town. So, 
them coming to town is like the event, if that makes sense. Yeah, because that's that's something that I always that I always struggled with. Was, yeah. and, and I mean, I assume you also play a lot of gigs for nobody. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> it's it gets better and better as time goes on. But there's a, you know, I, w- one out of every five gigs is uh-huh. to eight people who are already at the bar when you got there. Oh, eight people. That's that sounds like that sounds like you're at a crowd. <laughs> Mostly I'm not playing to like, you know, I used we I used to right. do those gigs um but I think for the most part I'm not playing at mm-hmm. a venue that it doesn't have a built-in Right, right, right. crowd at least right. a little okay. bit, yeah. So you said you you used to play those those gigs. What um what cuz I I know a lot of people who I, who played in bar bands when I played in bar bands and are still playing and now they're marginally successful sure. and I'm like if I'd have stuck with it you know yeah um, what what got you through those those rough gigs uh, I think for me I don't care I would play the same if it was nobody okay um, actually I think part of playing to nobody it like gives you this freedom to just do whatever you want right right um, and so that has become a part of my music per- musical mm-hmm. personality. Now you know I feel much more comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Right, right. So you know there there aren't any rules about like. You know because the crowd is there and all mm-hmm. amped. I actually play worse when there's lots of people right, because right. it's like you know who's used to yeah. playing for hundreds of people. Yeah, right? and and also like you know if you're playing for like if you're playing for eight people, then that you can really create an intimate experience yeah, for those eight people. Totally. Um. So um. We've sort of we've we've sort of uh, talked in in big big picture stuff, but um, of the projects you're currently working uh-huh. on, put yourself in a box, <laughs> and classify the genre of those projects sure. for me. Um, okay, well I'll just talk about my bands. Um, okay. First one that comes to mind is is called Liver Quiver. Okay. <laughs> it's a trio, bass or I mean guitar, saxophone, drums. Um, this is the most difficult to... Uh-huh. to uh, th- there's three things I think the band is, is about. Um, playing songs, um, improvising, and whatever influence comes from the three of us, which is, you know, we're all guys who listen to tons of kinds right, of music. Right. So, you know, we call it improvised music okay. or improvised music songs or something like mm-hmm. that um, because it's hard to call it jazz or whatever. Right. Um, which is does not answer your question well, at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm asking you to I'm asking you to put yourself in a box. Now I listened to a little I listened to a little sure. bit of it. You sent me um, some, and I would I would say that you guys have kind of a jazz a jazz almost fusion or funk feel, and but but I would I would classify that as a jam band. You got long solos. Yeah. And uh, oh man, I never thought of it as a jam band. Well, the, the reason I wouldn't call it a jam band right. is because um, we have some songs that. Don't have any improvising. Okay. Um, man, it is a difficult and interesting right, question. Right. Fusion is interesting. It's like fusion, but without all of the parts that fusion make it sound like fusion. Uh-huh. You know, there's not a lot of like chorus on the guitar and you know whatever. It doesn't sound electric necessarily. Uh-huh. Even though, you know we have an electric guitar, yeah. but yeah, it's interesting. Fusion is probably the best term, even though we sound nothing like every right. fusion band. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Well, well, it's just like it's just like uh, my band. Everybody said that we had we had the instrumentation of a ska band because we had sure you know we had guitar uh, overdrive guitars and, and horns, and horns yeah. uh, but we had no no reggae influences. Sure, so. sure. It's like so. a punk band or something, yeah. but with horns. Yeah, and I feel that way about Liver Quiver. Like it's maybe a little. Like there's a punk band, but also a really emo band okay. at the same time, okay. kind of. Um, okay, other bands. Let's see. Um, Small songs is mine. Is probably the newest thing. 
Um, it started as a band, which was, so I teach young piano students. A lot of my, uh-huh. my students are piano students. So um, we do improvisation games together, and I was I just started recording and transcribing mm-hmm. them and making that into this band. So just like very loose, weird sketches from little kids' brains mm-hmm. um, that we improvise over. It's turned into like, um, it's like a pop, I call it a pop band. A pop band. It, it is yeah. a pop band where the elements of the song are like, not normal yeah and i in the role i see as in in the band for myself is i am constantly um exemplifying the anxiety of Mm -hmm. the song so a lot of times i'm improvising over the singer sing like the song is happening and i'm just like over the whole thing um sometimes beautifully and sometimes Mm -hmm. aggressively or whatever Mm -hmm. but so i think that's a pop band um, I also have a couple of other like mm-hmm. original music bands that are more jazz yeah. focused. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. 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 My my feel for my my um gut gut take on on small songs was you guys are an NPR band. Yeah. Sure. Okay. The kind of, the kind of band that would that they would play on it that they would play on NPR on sure. that uh, tiny desk concert yeah, or something. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Almost almost yeah. has like a Tegan and Sarah vibe. To yeah. It. It's like um. Instead of, uh, it's not even like music-centered music, it's like uh-huh. feelings-centered music. Um, I started like a haiku blog when I was in grad school. Okay. Um, and a lot of the, the lyrics for small songs come from that idea, which is like, how big a feeling can I fit in this 17-character um, box? And so small songs is sort of that idea too. Like, can we write a whole song that is about one feeling that only has one line that is like, there's no chorus, there's no verse. It's just like the one thing. And can you make it beautiful or can you make it swing or whatever? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. instrument is the saxophone like pretty that's that's your right. no, that's your number one right. everything else is number two and one of the, the biggest things about being in a in a in a combo playing the saxophone is going to be your solo sure um how do you develop your solos sure um my favorite i've t- i feel like there's two sides of my influence that i really are obvious to, to me uh and one is this side which is like funk and modern 
saxophone playing. Um, and that's all about like motives and thinking sort of simply mm-hmm. and developing ideas. It's almost like a theme and variations, yeah. except it's all happening at the same time. So I, I try to think really simply and make my ideas motivic uh, and based on shape and not necessarily about like language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's this other side, which is like definitely jazz influenced and, and, and these cool jazz guys who are, it's just this very beautiful and melodic flowing mm-hmm. thing um, with all these twists and turns. So in, in combination, what I, what I try to do is think about, I don't know, I don't ever think about this when I'm playing, but after the fact, it feels like gears to me. Mm-hmm. Like in mm-hmm. first gear, it's kind of small. Um, and as you move into second and third gear, the, the ideas get a little larger. I could, you know, I, I think about spreading up and down on the instrument, making the range of which I'm playing larger. Um, and I do that with dynamics and I think about, you know, um, pushing or pulling or playing with the band or playing against the band. Um, well, almost like dancing or something, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, as the song goes on, you're doing more like big gestures and stuff like that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, and with your, with your solos, Mm -hmm. especially with a group that you're, that you're playing, uh, it's maybe a more maybe a something that's closer to like a to like a rock group or a pop okay, group, yeah. um, where it's a more traditional three verses and a, and a yeah. chorus kind of thing. Um, when when you get to that solo section, how often is it is it improvised versus versus something sure. more stat more set? Well, I think like um, if I'm playing with a genre band that's not jazz, mm-hmm. I'm you know I'm thinking about what's what the genre is all about, and if. Um, when I, you know, I was in school, I started playing with this country rock band, mm-hmm. and I would have to take country rock solos. Because if you take a funk solo on a country rock tune, it's like weird. So um, a lot of times I have in my mind, in, a, in like a genre band, what the solos sound like of the people who played them originally. Okay. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing the Boogie Woogie solo on the right. Boogie Woogie tune, but I'm definitely playing... With the ideas that I learned mm-hmm. from other people's solos, at least hopefully, yeah, yeah, maybe very maybe variations on the melody, right? And, and exactly, okay. exactly. And, okay. and, 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 and in certain genres, you're playing way closer to the melody mm-hmm. than you are in like a way out, you know, okay. fusion band or whatever. Right, yeah. right. Um, now, so but but you are you are probably improvising. Yeah, like I think you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna write out a solo beforehand. No, but. Um, it doesn't, you know. I. Uh, well, well, let me think about this. I think if I'm pl- if I'm playing, on a record, let's say I'm playing on a record, and the I know what the song is going to be before I get there. I think I'm I'm working really hard, so that there aren't any ideas that surprise me necessarily right. when I'm improvising. So you know, there's definitely stuff that's like worked out. I know that I want to do this sort of thing gesturally mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with this part of the solo. So yeah, improvising for sure, okay, but definitely right. like I think like almost like building blocks or okay. something. Yeah. So so when I think about when I think about improvising, I think of kind of two extremes. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I was in a master class with uh, some college professor guy, and he and he said the way that you learn how to improvise is memorize huh. that all the Charlie Parker licks. Sure. And you know so that's one extreme. Sure. And then you've got the other extreme, which is. Closer to me, I know one scale on the guitar, and I just kind of noodle around. Sure. Um, where where would you say that you fall in that spectrum? Well, 
I think both are really important. Both are huge, hugely important. So the the, the academic side, like yeah. learning all these solos. I'm not somebody who transcribes a lot, but I think listening to somebody, listening to Charlie mm. Parker and playing along with him is going to make you sound a lot more like Charlie Parker than if you yeah. didn't do that. So if you're trying to get good at playing tunes, you know, listening to guys who play right, tunes right. and learning those solos is going to help you learn how to play right, tunes. Right. But um, if you only do that, then you're not improvising, you're, you're reiterating. Right, 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 right. So I think the other side of it, which is like, Taking something as hard, uh, you know, has as in stone as a as a scale, and playing with it so much that it becomes a, man, a malleable part of mm-hmm. this language that you want to have um, is super important. You know, yeah. I think in grad that's what I feel like what I did in grad school. It's like there's one half which is like I'm learning all these really hard sonatas and all this yeah. stupid music, and and then the other half is like. I'm learning all these weird scales and I'm going to play them until they are, they're not, I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. them anymore. So I, I, yeah, I think it's, I think both are really important. I, you know, if I were going to pick one, I'd pick, I'd pick the one that you chose, which is <laughs> like, you know, if you can figure out how to play music by playing music, that's like, yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah, you should yeah. be doing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, now, if you heard some of my guitar solos, you probably wouldn't <laughs> agree with that. Well, you probably feel <laughs> the same about my saxophone solos sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean... I think I think that what I've always felt like what the key is with with the balance here um, is is if you when you when you're learning when you're learning things is very different when you're than when you're executing you know you learn the rules and then you learn the rules you get the muscle memory yeah, totally. you get the you develop the ear for it then you can you can really learn that that execution yeah um, Michael Berger did this talk at North Texas and you know he's a saxophone player from mm-hmm. like the 70s 80s 90s. Um, and he would he he would he would take one idea he would practice that one idea all day sometimes only in one key just mm-hmm. to like really figure that idea out and and then he would forget about it I don't want to practice that anymore he would move on um, and you know practicing like that what that does is like it like imprints in your brain way back in there and he would he said that he didn't see those ideas some of those ideas mm-hmm. come out for six months or a year and a year later he'd be playing in this this piece of language that come out this this lick or whatever yeah. would would show up and you you know i think that's i forget what the point was but i i think that's <laughs> that's i think you know thinking about music like that is like it's like a sponge soaks up all this stuff and then you squeeze it and out comes mm. this like one stream of stuff right 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 um so the other thing about um about being a saxophone player mm. and and this is Probably not as relevant playing more jazzy stuff or, 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 or experimental things, but one thing that we always struggled with with the saxophone player in our band is sometimes songs don't need a saxophone. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you uh, either either how do you fit a saxophone in where it, where maybe it doesn't perfect sure. isn't a perfect fit, <laughs> or 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 how do you deal with sitting out or what's your what's your strategy? Sure. With that? I think if, if it's my band, it's going to have sax. Saxophone's gonna fit because I'm writing the song, right. but um, you know I just started playing this funk band and the leader was very clear. Like um, I want you to play solos on these tunes. There's horn parts for these tunes. I want you to sing and play shaker on this tune. Like, yeah, it's very clear. Um, but I think I think you know even sm- small songs has songs that don't I don't play in or I play mm-hmm. very little. Um, and what has helped me is like, you know, how many different roles can you play on your instrument? Can you be a, a rhythm section player on right. a saxophone? And 
you know, what do you need to do to do that? Um, how little can you do? Can mm. you play like a go-go bell on the saxophone? Boom, beep, boom, beep, boom, yeah. you know, or whatever. Um, so thinking about what role is necessary in the song, if it's mm. nothing, then, you know, being, right, cool, being right. cool to lay out is like, playing nothing is way better than playing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've definitely... You know, I got I got this melodica uh, mm-hmm. at, at Christmas time, and and I was and I was uh, recording a lot of stuff, and I would try to put melodica <laughs> sure, in every song, sure. and uh, some songs don't need it. No, obviously melodica is not quite as versatile as a saxophone. I don't know, but... man. You can play two notes at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I yeah. think I think like just yeah, being not afraid to like play the boring role uh-huh. in a song is really important because sometimes music is beautiful with one yeah. person playing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's yeah, that's actually also something that I that I've figured with just with home, with doing a lot of mm-hmm. home recording, like first of all, there's when you're playing all the instruments, there's no ego. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> which is another thing you have to reckon with it either. as you're messing up that song, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but like it's I feel like it's a lot easier to just have a really really simple part um, mm. if you're not if you're not dealing with with uh, with people's with people's egos. Totally, um, but but uh, the the lack of ego is also important when you get. When your song has thirty-five layers, and you realize that it was way better when it had two. Right, right, right. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. That's that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I, I was, I was recording. I'm doing a Christmas album right now. I was recording uh, three ships. Uh, I saw three ships come uh-huh. sailing in, yeah. and recorded a bunch of vocal parts that were like not really harmonizing, but it kind of had like a choral feel to it. Sure. And uh, I and I was like really struggling with it, and I was like, oh. I can just cut the guitar completely out of this yeah, song sure, now. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because you don't need it, right? Yeah, right, exactly. right. Uh, turn in the corner here. Um, how do you balance uh, music with other aspects of your life? Mm. Well, I'm unlucky and lucky in that music is my favorite thing and also my job. So it's good and bad. I, You know, my girlfriend um, is also a professional musician and, and teacher, and so our struggles are often like finding activities that are that don't take a lot of time mm-hmm. and that, you mm-hmm. know, hobbies are hard to have when your schedule is variable. Right, right. Um, but, you know, I've, I've also, I can take an afternoon off and play video games and, and right, watch movies right. just like anybody. I, you know, I don't know. I don't have any, if, if you, if this is a, if you were asking advice, which I know you're, well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm asking you to provide <laughs> advice to the world. That's, that's what this is all about. I think like, you know, Making your hobby, if that's what it is, if, mm. if making music really important when it's going on, um, and when it's not making whatever you're doing as important. Mm. Um, you know, so when I'm listening to music, it's about enjoying it, and yeah. when I'm studying music, it's about studying it. So ho- ho- there's not a lot of overlap. I have, I do have trouble with with that part of it sometimes, but I, you know, I also think like. I'm really lucky that my friends are all musicians. I, mm-hmm. I, there's not a lot of like, I don't have to explain my life every time yeah, I hang out with yeah. somebody. Um, you mean like you're doing right now? Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I do a lot of podcasts, and so it's com- it makes it very difficult for me to watch Netflix without thinking about whether sure. I'm going to talk about it on sure. my podcast. So. Sure. Actually, yeah, it's the same. Like you listen to music and you're like, oh, I want to make music. Right. Like right. seeing live music is the hardest, mm-hmm. I think, because halfway through this person's gig who I care a lot about or whatever, yeah. you're like, ah, I just want to 
I want to write that version, uh-huh. my version of that song or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's one of the reasons I I really enjoy comic books because never in a million years <laughs> could I create a sure. comic book. Sure. So, so I feel um, that way. Yeah, maybe um, like classical music is that. I'm not mm. particularly interested at all in the writing huge symphonies, but I can appreciate them and okay. you know. Um, let's the one the one the last thing I wanted to kind sure. of talk about. And we've kind of touched on your your writing. Um, when you're when you're writing music, what is what is your approach? And get into get into the nitty gritty details, the logistics. Sure. Um, well, okay. For, for instance, today, um, I was watching a comedy documentary, okay. um, and there was something about the sentiment of the thing that popped a little like motive off in my head. So um, we're in the process of set, like resetting up our office. Um, so I didn't have my keyboard set up, so I had to go set that up and all this stuff. Um, you turn on GarageBand. I like to use GarageBand because it has loops. You can like loop. Okay. You can loop an idea easily. Um, and I'm just trying to, f- for this particular thing, it's been rolling around in my head, and I've sort of fleshed it out a couple different times. Mm-hmm. Every time, sort of, I end up in the same place. Like so, I've come to the conclusion that this is what, what, what the song should be, but. Um, I can't, I'm not, I'm not happy with it. So, you know, I put it into this thing where I can loop it and then improvise over it. Okay. Um, so today I was improvising on piano. I'm not super good at piano. Um, and I don't, it's hard for me. So my improvis improvisations on piano are often very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for, if I'm starting from scratch, what, what it usually starts with is me on piano. Um, and I try to remove all my, uh, what's the word? Um, I try to get rid of all the, my expectations for okay. what a song should be, um, and just write what the thing feels like it should be. Mm-hmm. Moving without, you know, tr- I try to move without a without a harmony in mind, like an endpoint in mind. Um, but obviously, I can't. I can't. I'm a fa- you know, right. I'm a failure at that. So what happens is that I end up writing a song in a in a key or or whatever, something comes up where this this particular, you know, eight seconds of music is is nice, so I like mm-hmm. it, and and, um, and then, you know, moving from there, basically, for me, it's like, here's a draft of something, uh, and then I essentially try to rewrite it, okay. uh, and you find out sort of where things feel good or where they don't feel good, and... But it, it does, it's, it's probably as meticulous as it sounds and boring. Um, and it takes sometimes weeks and weeks mm-hmm. uh, to turn one thing into the final product. And sometimes it's, you know, like you know, uh, can be 15 minutes and then yeah. the whole song yep. is written. Yep, definitely. Um, but I think, uh, you know, trying to stay as intentional about keeping whatever the idea started as. Um, especially on the first go, like, um, being sort of hardlined about, like, if, if you wanted the song to be about, well, beep, um, then making that the emphasis the whole time, or if you wanted it to be about the chorus that you wrote, mm-hmm. making everything sort of to prop up the chorus. And then you get to all the other stuff, you know, you you see this first product and you're like, ugh. And you right. rewrite it, but you have sort of that same intention, and uh-huh. what comes out is a sort of a variation on the same mm-hmm. thing. 
I think that's it. Sometimes it's like very academic and I'm like trying, I'm like having fun with a, with a concept. Right, right. Yeah. You're like, you're like, uh, I learned this, uh, this chord progression right. and you want to fit around that. And those, those limitations cre- right. allow you to, allow you to be more creative with that. Right. Your limitations and also the limitations of the idea. Right, right. right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, uh, so you play, you also, it seems like you, you, you know, you play with other people a lot is yeah. the thing that you do. Um, do you, how, how do you approach, uh, original material with, uh-huh. uh, with a, with a band that you're playing with? Sure. Well, I, you know, I think if it were a perfect world, that would be democratic and mm-hmm. we would vote on stuff. And, you know, I think I like that idea. I think in reality, it's more along the lines of like, I wrote these 10 songs, let's make a band. And then if other people are writing music for the group as well, it's sort of this consensus where like, you know, in the end, because it's my band, right, right. I get to decide, uh-huh. but also I try to not as much as I can, because I don't think, I don't think what I have in my head is the best version of stuff. Okay. okay. So like in, in small songs, there are two writers, um, we write really differently, but I think it is cohesive because the band, it, fil- it gets filtered through the band. And so mm-hmm. that's the attitude I take toward everything I write. It's like, okay, I have sort of this intention, but I try to keep directions very vague. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm lucky I can r- sort of write out yeah. for yeah. people what, what I want it to sound like. Um, but if it sounds totally different than that on the first pass, right, right. you know, Starting from there, as opposed to where I thought it would right, be. Right, right. So could... you, so you approach because because there's you know there's I keep saying there's two extremes yeah, of everything. Sure. E- everything in music, there's two extremes. You're when probably you're talking right. about yeah, playing in a sure. playing in a group like that. You've got the the mythical. Everyone shows up to practice completely unprepared. Uh-huh. You all start playing and magically write a song. Sure. Yeah. And then you've got the the one person who meticulously writes out every single sure. part. Uh, it sounds like you're closer to that to that. The person that comes in pr- prepared, having something prepared, right. but then you're open to totally. uh, other interpretations. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I also think um, I like to workshop a lot, especially in small mm-hmm. songs, because I'm trying stuff. I'm trying different kinds of things a lot of the time, and because I, you know, I, um, I bring stuff in that's totally unfinished. I just want to see how it sounds. Uh-huh. Um, in Liver Quiver, for instance, we, you know, because there's three writers. Uh, and there's no bass player, and it it, it is like free falling all the time. Mm-hmm. Even when you're songwriting, it's like, okay, we can only do so many things at once. So what is the what are the most important parts of that? And and you write it for the person who's going to play it. So you're like anticipating what the other person's going to do, how they're going to interpret what you wrote. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's probably that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's like I'm 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 leaning heavily on my 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 intention with mm. with what I'm bringing in, but I also fully intend that it's not going to be the way I want. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I um I was always on that extreme as mm-hmm. well, except for uh, I was less willing to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. Listen, you know, um, it is helpful. I think having musicians who who you know. I'm not nearly as good at any of the other instruments. Right. That, so right. I have trust for those people. Uh, in small songs, the bass player is um, bass is like his fifth instrument. He's not the he's not the most accomplished on bass, but he's a composer. So I mm-hmm. trust his instincts. He is 
very good on bass um, in the context of like he he can write beautiful things he can play right. the bass beautifully um, and he is thinking about form probably more than I am right right um, yeah I mean just because just because you can't move your fingers as fast as other people right. doesn't mean that you can't you can't make that instrument exactly do what you want it to yeah do. exactly and especially with something like the bass like I mean, yeah, and, and and with what you're doing with small songs, where it's a simpler thing, right. like you probably don't want somebody who's a virtuosic, yeah, or totally, slap bass or whatever, right? I want somebody who's like gonna think about the right thing for the song uh, first. Who's who's gonna be like, okay, I can just I'll just play the root of the chord right? for a little while, right? Yeah, and and he's happy if I write that. You know, we have a bunch of songs mm -hmm. where it's like boom, boom, boom for a whole song. Yeah. You know, he's totally cool because that's the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if, yeah. To reiterate, I think, you know, if you find musicians that you really trust, um, that's the best case scenario. Because you can be on either extreme and what's going to come out is like a good thing. Um, well, I, I think I think that's uh, really that's going to wrap cool. us up at this point. Um, I think this was a really this was a really uh, a really fun, really interesting <laughs> cool. interview. Good. Thanks. Thanks a lot for uh, thanks a lot for coming. Tell your friends. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. It was really fun. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, this this podcast was a, a blast to record, and I hope I hope it was just as fun to listen to. Uh, please subscribe to the KendallCast iTunes feed so you don't miss an episode. And uh, go to KendallCast.ninja for everything that I do, as well as uh, links to uh, Alex Burgoyne's music. Thanks again.